Well, good morning, good morning. All right, three of you all, fantastic. All right, good start, good start. Uh, if you're going to plan to come to the 8 o'clock, um, might want to get a little earlier start, okay? Get a little more coffee in you, all right? Uh, I'd like to encourage you to open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Today we're going to be talking about the peace of God. And it's interesting because the way that Paul is going to begin this passage is he's going to meddle a little bit in our lives and he's going to tell us not to worry. Now, if you think about the events over the last two or three years that we've experienced, this is sort of a a challenging task. I was joking earlier, it's kind of like doing a sermon on not breathing for a week, right? Uh, Not to worry. This This is certainly something that all of us Uh, in some way or another deal with each and every day of our lives or throughout the week. And so I think the message that the Apostle Paul has for us today is going to be very, very applicable to each and every one of us. Philippians chapter 4. If you don't mind, if you'll join me in standing as we read the Word of God together. We're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the truth of your word. And as we spend the next few moments walking through it, I pray, God, that we would look at our hearts and look at our lives and see what you are truly calling us to do. And Father, I pray that anxiety and fear and worry would not have victory in our lives, but Christ would be victorious over all things as he rightly deserves. In his precious name we pray, amen. You may be seated. The context of this passage is extremely important. The apostle Paul is writing from prison which is obviously something very, very powerful when you consider the opening words of this passage. And the Apostle Paul is going to be walking through over the next couple verses, not just a good idea for us to apply to our lives, but rather a command. In fact, it's it's the same command that our Lord Jesus gave to us in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount when he told us not to worry about the temporal things in this life. In fact, he wants us to replace that worry with Peace. Peace is one of those things that whether you realized it or not, it's something you've been chasing after your entire life. Peace with others, peace with God, peace in difficult circumstances. And certainly as we look back over the last couple years, I think we've all had a few things to worry about. I remember when uh, God called me to become the head of school at Grace Christian Academy, he never told me about a global pandemic. That would have been nice to know on the front end, right? Uh, He never told me about economic downturns or political unrest. 
He never told me about the decisions that others would make and the harm that those things would cause. He never told me about the the conflict and the fighting and the things that would go on just in the natural course of human history. God never told me those things. I have a feeling if he did, I probably would have ran away screaming like most of you all would have as well. That's not the way the peace of God works though. The peace of God, as we're gonna see as uh, told here by the apostle Paul, comes to each and every one of us as we walk in our relationship with God. Anxiety or worry, unfortunately, is a reality for most of us. And we know in some special cases it does require medical attention and care, but for the most part, for most of us, anxiety and worry is birthed out of a delusion. I'm not calling you delusional, but it is birthed out of a delusion that we are in control, right? We think we are in control. And when this delusion gets put to the test, that false sense of security often will erode away and we will realize how little control we really have. I was thinking of what would be a perfect illustration for this. And so I was thinking back, um, you know, who could I tell a story on? Uh, since I have the pulpit, I might as well. Uh, I have a really, really good friend, but I don't want to embarrass him. So we'll call him Ryan Thomas, okay? Ryan Thomas, okay? Ryan. No relation, just in case you're wondering. So Ryan Thomas and I uh, were were hiking many, many years ago. This was actually, I think, pre-marriage and pre-kids, and and he was still in college, and and we were actually doing some hiking in the big South Fork area, natural area there, and doing this really great trail. And I remember uh, Ryan, excuse me, Ryan had this uh, MTSU Blue Raiders hat on and we were just talking and, and we, we came around the corner and, and Ryan walked into a spider's web, okay? Now you've all been there. It's kind of like, yeah, you know, it's all over you. Well, Ryan had the unfortunate uh, problem of not only walking into the spider web, but the spider was attached to it. And so on the tip of his, the bill of his hat, was this dangling spider. Now, of course, you know, Brian, I mean, Ryan, um, he handled it like, like a man. He just, oh, spider. No, he didn't. He freaked out. He was like flailing his arms and saying, get it off me. And, and, he, and I thought literally he was gonna jump off the side of the mountain. It was almost, almost as good as when Pastor Bobby put that snakeskin in Mike Floyd's office. Almost, <laughs> almost. I wish I had a video, Mike. I, I don't, but I wish I had a video. Uh, needless to say, Brian obviously was much, much larger than this tiny little spider. Now, when he tells the story, he says the spider was as big as his hand. Now, it was, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. It was pinky size, all right? Maybe, Uh, but uh, nonetheless, to, to hear him tell the story though, here's, here's Brian, Ryan, excuse me, uh, who's, who's much larger than this little spider. And yet he just, he just freaks out. He loses all control. Part of it has to do with the fact that Unfortunately, all Brian, Ryan could see is what was right in front of his face. And, and the problem that he saw was much larger from his perspective than from, my, from me who was looking on the outside, right? And so uh, he obviously lost control and, uh, and, and yelled and screamed like a little girl. Uh, but, but that's what happens sometimes, right? That's what happens. Oftentimes, worries of life and, I, and, and I'm not to downgrade them because there are some that are very serious, but there are worries and stressors in our lives that if we are not careful, we allow them to control us instead of allowing them to be controlled and handled by 
God. As I said earlier in Matthew chapter six, verses 25 through 34, Jesus commands us not to worry, not to fixate on the wrong things, not to worry about the temporal features of this life, but rather to seek first the kingdom of God. The reason why this command, do not be anxious, is so important is because whenever you and I as believers have anxiety that runs rampant in our lives, it betrays a lack of trust in God. I like what Ralph Martin said uh, in his commentary on Philippians. He said, anxiety betrays a lack of trust in God's care. When you and I are living worried, anxiety-ridden lives, we are forgetting the fact that we are in relationship with God. And so the answer, the solution to worry and anxiety, as the Apostle Paul tells us here, is peace. And not just peace in the sense of no problems, but the supernatural peace that only comes from God. In his uh, article called The Gift of Peace, John MacArthur says it this way, the biblical concept of peace does not focus on the absence of trouble. Biblical peace is unrelated to circumstances. It is a goodness of life that is not touched by what happens on the outside. The peace of God is not just the absence of problems because we can have God's peace in the midst of pain and suffering. The peace of God is, is not just a, just a feeling of calmness because we can have the peace of God in the midst of pain and suffering. As the Apostle Paul is gonna walk us through in today's passage, the peace of God is the assurance and rest that can only come from being able to stand before a holy God blameless because of what Christ has done on our behalf and to allow that peace then to flow into our relationship with others. I wanna talk about several important points from today's passage which talks about the peace of God. Let's look together at verses four, five, and six. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So number one, the first and most important point. In fact, this point is the point that every other thing is going to connect to. So if you don't get this point, if you're asleep right now, you know, uh, you're gonna miss it all, right? So if somebody is asleep right now, just go ahead and nudge them. Make sure they're still breathing. That would be important. We do have medical personnel available if needed. Um, uh, the peace of God only comes to us through a relationship with Christ. The peace of God comes only through a relationship with Christ. This is where it all starts. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you will not have peace. You will not have peace now, and you will not have peace in eternity. The Bible is full of many examples of the presence of Jesus Christ bringing peace. I think of in the gospel in Mark chapter four, verses 35 through 41, I'm not going to read it all, but it's right there listed on your sermon notes. I encourage you to do so. Jesus' disciples and Jesus are in a boat, and of course they're on the Sea of Galilee, and a violent storm has blown up. And Jesus himself is so exhausted from his ministry, he's actually tucked down in the bottom there, and he's on, on a pillow asleep. And the disciples are, are, are rowing against this storm, and they're trying to, trying to get to the shore, and, and, and they scream out, and they wake Jesus up, teacher, don't you care that we are 
are perishing. And Jesus wakes up and he looks and he says, peace, be still. And the Bible tells us that the wind and the sea calms. And he looks at his disciples and said, why are you so afraid? Do you know there are many times in your life when you are rowing against the storms of worry and anxiety and fear and Christ wants to come into your life and say, peace, rest, be assured that I am here. We see another example in Luke chapter 24 where Jesus has been killed and has been buried and has been gloriously resurrected, but the disciples don't know that. They're hiding together in a a room after Jesus' death and and they don't know that he's come back to life as he said he would. And, And so they're hiding there in fear thinking maybe we're next, right? They've just crucified our master and our savior. Maybe, maybe we're gonna be crucified next. And it says that as they were talking about these things, Jesus comes into the room and stands among them. And the first words he says to them is peace to you. Peace, I got this, I've got this. The presence of Christ in our lives is the only true and lasting peace. And the Bible talks about the fact that it is only through a relationship with Christ that we can have both peace with God and peace with others. Uh, I've, I've referenced there Romans chapter five, verse 10 and Colossians chapter one. Both of those passages talks about the fact that at one time, you and I, because we were sinners, we were enemies of God. We were not at peace of God. We were in opposition to him. The way that we lived our lives, the decisions we make, the choices that we made, we were living in opposition to God. And because of the work of Christ and accepting Christ as our Lord and savior, we now stand before God, not in judgment, because Christ has already taken that judgment for us. We now stand before Christ holy and blameless. Now you're saying, I don't feel very holy and I don't feel very blameless, right? Well, that's good news because it's not your salvation. It's the salvation of Christ given to you. It's the righteousness of Christ passed on you. That is where your peace lies. And if you have that peace with God, that is a peace that lasts for all of eternity. This is what the apostle is saying here. This is why he can be sitting in a jail cell telling us to rejoice in the Lord always and not to worry about anything because Paul isn't just living for this life. Paul knows that this life isn't all that there is. And he knows that we're gonna be in eternity a whole lot longer than we're gonna be here walking on this earth. The presence of Christ in our lives frees us from the judgment of God. Christ's work on the cross frees us from that judgment because Jesus has taken our sins and given to us his righteousness. Our souls can be at peace knowing that because of Christ, we have peace with God. And the second part of that is, is not only can we have, through Christ, we can have peace with God, but now, through Christ, we can also have peace with others. Ephesians chapter four, verse 32 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. The presence of Christ in our lives frees us from hostility with others because God is judge. You don't have to be. 
God is the one who will hold all accountable for their actions. And it will either be paid for by Christ or that judgment will be heaped upon them. But that doesn't mean you have to be judged anymore. You are free to forgive. Well, what if someone says something mean to me? You are free to forgive because you have been forgiven. What if someone harms me deeply? You are free to forgive because God is judge and you are not judged. And I know that's difficult for us to hear, but forgiveness is also good for your soul, not just for the other person. Unforgiveness in your heart is an acid that is eating you up from the inside and you need to be free from that by forgiving others through the power of Jesus Christ. Now I know that is not easy and I'm not sitting here trying to pretend that it's just a matter of making up your mind. This is why we need God in our lives. Because as we look back at the sins that we have committed and are committing, and we receive the forgiveness of Christ in our lives, we need to be giving that then to others as well. We are free to forgive. That's the starting point. The peace of God in your life starts through a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul goes on to explain in verse six, He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. So in our relationship with God, the peace of God is also supplied through prayer. Now, I guarantee you most of you all solve problems the same way I do, which is whenever you have a stressor in your life, you you do the most effective thing you possibly can. You lay awake all night (laughs) and you scheme. When I get up in the morning, I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna call this, or or maybe you just do the dangerous thing and you send that two o'clock in the morning email. Has anyone ever sent a 2 a.m. email? Anyone at all? Come on. I'm not the only one in the room. You know you've done it. Thank you, Bob Bell. Anyone else? (laughs) Bob Bell is the only righteous person in the room because he's the only one willing to admit his faults. That's right. We've all done it, right? And we lay awake at night thinking, man, If I just worry about this a little bit longer, I'm gonna solve it, right? As if we have the ability to do that, right? Or maybe if I can, in the morning, what I'll do is I'll call a bunch of people and I'll rally them to my side, right? Safety in numbers, right? And if I get enough people on my side, that's gonna solve the problem, right? Or or maybe another phone call or or maybe another email or another meeting. And, and, And we realize that we are willing to go anywhere and talk to anyone about our problems except the only one who can do anything about them. You and I literally, at any moment, have access to the all-powerful, infinite creator of the universe. But I'm gonna talk to Larry instead of God. That makes no sense, right? And listen, I'm not just preaching to you, I'm preaching to Tony Pointer as well, because I've been there, I've done that, right? The God-given cure for anxiety is the gift of prayer. In his commentary on Philippians, Richard Millick says it this way, prayerful people are peaceful people. Prayerful people are peaceful people. We have a relationship with Christ, and so we then have the ability to anytime, anywhere, for any reason, pray and talk to God. Prayer begins by admitting that we're not in control. We pull a Ryan Thomas, right? We're out of control, right? Prayer then begins to proceed to trust. 
Trust that God really is who he says he is and that he's going to do what he really says he's going to do in his word. And prayer is the unrestricted access to the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, and all-loving God. Do we believe he is who he really says he is? If we believe that to be true, we can turn things over to him in prayer. I love the second part of verse six. It's our third point. In our relationship with God, the peace of God is also supplied through thanksgiving. It says, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Thanksgiving is a very important part. For those of you that are followers of Jesus Christ, you need to be incorporating this into your lives, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Giving thanks forces us to remember. To remember how faithful God has been in the past. And therefore, it gives us confidence that he will be faithful in the future. We have this wonderful account in in the book of Joshua where God is finally leading his people into the promised land and, and God literally stops the Jordan River from flowing so that his people could walk across into the promised land on dry ground. And he tells them, uh, the leaders of the people, when you cross, I want you to get 12 stones from the middle of the river. And I want you to set those stones right up here on the other side. And and the reason why he does this is it says so that when your children ask in time, what do these stones mean? You tell them what God has done for you in the past. These stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. I guarantee you, if you stopped long enough and thought, you've got stones in your life where you can look back and say, God did that. For those of you that have been here for a long time, the fact that we're in this building is a testimony to that, isn't it? Right? How many of y'all were here during the glory days when we were meeting in the gymnasium? Woo-hoo! Yeah, that was fun, wasn't it? Right, about to go do that again, aren't we? Right? By the way, when you leave today, feel free to take a piece of pew with you. That'll help in the deconstruction process. They were joking with me earlier. They said I wore my sweater to memorialize the carpet. So we'll go with that. All right? God's been faithful, right? God's been faithful in the past. He's been faithful in your life. He's been faithful in my life, right? And so we need to have moments where we look back and and just like the old hymn says, count your blessings, name them one by one, right? You know the opening stanza that I'm not gonna sing it because I'm not like Dr. Lewis, but when upon life's billows you are tempest tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. God has been faithful and has walked with you in the past. He's going to continue to walk with you in the future. Number four, the apostle Paul points out in this passage, it is important to remember that the peace of God defies our limited understanding. The peace of God defies our limited understanding. Notice what he says in verse seven, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God sees everything. He sees the beginning of time and the end of time and all the sequence and all the moments in between. He's the only one. He's all powerful, 
ever existent. He's outside of time and energy and space and matter. He brings time, energy, space, and matter into existence. And so he works in ways that you and I could never understand, far beyond our ability to comprehend. This is why faith is necessary. Because God doesn't do things the way that you would do them or I would do them, right? And that's a good thing, by the way. If I were God, there would be a lot of problems. I get mad at somebody, strike them dead. That's what I would do, right? Traffic in my way, you know? I mean, if I were God, we'd be in trouble, right? And if you were God, we'd be in trouble because you and I don't know all things, right? We don't know the, the end from the beginning. And, and, and so when we turn to God, we have to trust, although the, the tapestry of our lives aren't woven in the ways that we think they ought to be, you have to remember God doesn't look at things in the temporary. God looks at things eternally. He sees you a thousand years from now. He sees what's happening a million years from now. Into eternity, God knows. And the things in this life that don't make sense to us, he is weaving into a grand story for his honor and for his glory and for your good. The peace of God, as, as it tells us here, guards our hearts and our minds. In times of anxiety and stress, we do not always perceive and process things correctly. Let me ask you an honest question. And I'm not gonna look at my wife. How many of you all have slight road rage issues? Okay, I'll, I'll raise my hand too. All right, I'm not looking at my wife because she gets on to me all the time on this one, right? In fact, it just happened yesterday, so this is really important. My, my daughter is now starting to point it out, by the way. She's saying, Dad, you're teaching us bad habits. I was like, yes, yes, I know. <laughs> Yeah. What happens when we get into road rage or something like that is, is we sort of lose perspective in reality, don't we, right? You know, and, and we get a little selfish and we're like, you know, get out of my way and it's about me. And, and, and what happens is, is anxiety and stressors in our lives, it, it causes us to fixate on the problems in front of us instead of on the God who loves us. And when that happens, we, we get out of kilter and, and we begin to lose sight of, of reality and perspective, right? So, so when it says here that the peace of God guards us, the peace of, the peace of God guards us from fear, which sometimes can run rampant in our lives, and doubt, and depression, and anger, and, 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 and a whole host of self-destructive patterns. Anxiety can be deadly. It can swell problems to sizes so large in our lives that we lose sight of, of light and hope and peace and goodness. We lose sight of the good things of God. And so the peace of God comes into our lives and it guards us from heading down that path. And it keeps us protected. I was thinking of another way to illustrate this, and I've already picked on my friend Ryan Thomas. So um, I, I thought of a good illustration that happened not too long ago. Um, so I, I, we'll call him, um, well, it's kind of hard to do. We'll call him At Mercer, right? At Mercer, right? Good friend of mine, At Mercer. All right, we won't say his name. Uh, he was doing a, a chapel uh, service one time for us, and uh, he was doing this great illustration where he was, he was hitting a wiffle ball bat, and he was hitting the wiffle ball out into the, out into the audience there. And um, he had all the little kids gathered around and he said, all right, everybody, everybody get your hands up, you know, garden, protect your face. And so when you tell a group of second or third graders to get your hands up, they don't go like this, they go like this. <laughs> and so there was a little young lady 
who by the way has already graduated and is already married now. But uh, she just went, okay, got my hands up. So get your hands up. And so Matt, you know, he hits that wiffle ball. I mean, just line drives her right in the face. She didn't move. Bam, right in the face. Of course, she starts crying. Teacher comes up and grabs her and gives Matt a dirty look like, how dare you, right? Or sorry, at Mercer. Um, and, 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 you know, uh, the hands up weren't enough, right? <laughs> that's, not, that's not the type of guarding we're talking about, right? We're talking about full protection, full coverage. When you and I have the peace of God in our lives, God protects us from the big bad at Mercer who's trying to hit the wiffle ball at us, at us right? Uh, God, is, God is protecting us from the fear and the doubt that creeps into our lives and ultimately tries to hold us hostage to his plan and his purpose. Finally, we see that, number five, in our relationship with God, the peace of God is supplied through walking in obedience. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if, there's any, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the peace of God will be with you. The Apostle Paul here is, is encouraging us to, to foster an environment in our lives where the peace of God can thrive. And he's doing that by, not, this is not the power of positive thinking here, right? Rather, this is, just make sure you're looking into the right place. Looking at God and the things of God. Look at this list for a second, right? What fits the bill? True, honorable, just, pure, lovely. There's not a lot of things out there that fit this list except for God and the things of God. Those are the things that we ought to be surrounding our lives with. Instead of filling our minds with garbage and junk, we need to be filling our lives with truth and honor and purity and praiseworthiness, right? The Apostle Paul is encouraging us here, commanding us to develop godly patterns in our lives of focusing on God and the things of God instead of just thinking about ourselves and the garbage that we're wading through. God's plan for us is not easy, but his plan is good. And whenever we live in disobedience, that leads us to disunity and disharmony with God and, and an unsettled spirit with others. And, and, and it creates within us this, this extra tension and stress. And, 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 and what we really need is, is to turn it over to God and to drink in his goodness and his presence and, and, and to live in the way that he's designed us to live. We do a lot of premarital counseling and uh, one of the things we say that you've probably heard, some of the most powerful words you can ever say in a, in a godly marriage is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I messed up. And it's amazing how you can be in the middle of an argument and when one person comes to that realization, they're like, you know what? I've messed up. And they say, I'm sorry. It's amazing how that deescalates that situation from a 10 down to a 3. And you can quickly then begin moving towards conflict resolution, right? And so when we come on a grander scale and we realize, God, I've been walking in disobedience, it's amazing how that settled, unsettled spirit becomes settled through the peace of God. 
And that disunity now becomes unified once again because of the peace of God. Walking in obedience leads us to a clean conscience and allows us to experience the good life that God intended for all of us. This is obviously a challenging message because I think most of us unfortunately deal with worry a lot. Now that doesn't mean that you don't prepare or you make preparations or you do what the Lord's asked you to do. But we cannot allow fear and worry and stress to rule our lives. Satan would like nothing more than for the people of God to be so distracted and so consumed with their own fear and doubt and shame and anxiety and stress that they forget that there is a lost and dying world out there and that we have a calling to go out and to be missionaries and to be agents of reconciliation and to be guardians of peace and to share the peace of God with others. So this is the reason why the Apostle Paul, sitting in a jail cell, can say with complete certainty and assurity, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Be anxious for nothing. As Jeff comes up here and uh, leads us into our time of invitation, I wanna challenge you to think about the words of the Apostle Paul. And I guarantee you, most of us in this room need to respond in one of two ways. Number one, if you have never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, this peace is not accessible at this moment. It's available if you're willing to make Christ the Lord of your life. We're gonna have pastors and counselors down here who would love the opportunity to share with you how you can truly be at peace with God. For those of us that are walking with God, maybe the Apostle Paul's words here are convicting you about your prayer life. It'd be a great time to start praying. We certainly got a lot to pray about. Maybe you need to come and give thanks. Do an inventory. How has God been faithful in your life? Maybe you need somebody just to pray with and to say, this thing in front of me looks bigger than I could handle on my own. I wanna challenge you to take a long, hard look about in your life and are you living in the peace that God so greatly desires for you? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. And for the opportunity, God, to know what it means to have peace with you. I pray right now, Father, for every individual in this room or who will be watching this recording later, I pray, God, that they would know peace that only comes through a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. And for those that are walking with Christ, I pray that through prayer and through thanksgiving and through turning it over to you, that they would gain victory in their lives over the giant that is standing before them. I pray right now during our time of invitation that there would be open hearts and open minds to receive your truth. In your son's name we pray, amen. Would you guys please stand?
And if the Lord is leading you, please make a decision today. Thank you so much for watching us today. God is doing absolutely amazing things in and through our Grace Baptist Church family. If you'd like to share anything the Lord is doing in your life, feel free to reach out to us through our website or our app. And if you're ever in the Knoxville area, come by and worship with us and our family of faith here at Grace Baptist Church.